Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our podcast. I am Chris, joined by my brothers Adam and Eric, and we are back Hello. in the room to talk Hello. more about Metal Gear Solid, actually, <laughs> instead of just video games. Um, basically, we realized that we have spoken a great detail about Metal Gear Solid 1. And in the last two um, podcast episodes, we spoke in great detail about Metal Gear Solid 2. And then, lo and behold, Metal Gear Solid 3. And so, we've decided it's only right and only fitting that we finish off the saga. And we go on to Metal Gear Solid 4, Guns of the Patriots. Which I do believe, when the trailer was announced, was the very reason we got a PlayStation 3. Right? Like, it was the... Uh, uh, yeah. No, there wasn't a trailer at that point. It was just we knew it was coming. You I know what I mean? Trailer? I thought there was a trailer before PlayStation 3 ever came out. Uh, no. Pretty close to the, the early days of PS3, wasn't it? Uh, and then it was like, wow, every game is going to look like this. And they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's a I lie. mean, it was, it was just no doubt that there was going to be MGS4, which is why we got a PS3. Yeah, yeah. I always thought there was magazines there. But anyway, regardless of that. Um, so we're going to be talking a great detail about the tea tail. Let's do that again. The tea tail. The tea tail. We're going to be talking in great detail about Metal Gear Solid 4, uh, what we like about it, don't like about it, um, and all of its story goodness. This game is really the the finale of, of the series in terms of its narrative, yeah. and so. It's this one is the hardest one to talk about without going into spoilers. So, uh, like before, we'll do our non-spoiler section, but it'll probably be the shortest non-spoiler segment because it, gameplay-wise, it's much of the same with some extra additions and improvements. Um, but other than that, really, the the meat of this game is is its story, its narrative, and its many, many, many cutscenes. <laughs> Going out, should have just made like a 15 hour film, really, shouldn't he? He should have just made this huge. He did. He pretty much. This <laughs> is pretty much what it is. Honestly, the gameplay is just like a fancy navigation of menus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, essentially, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, without further ado, let's talk MGS4 Guns of the Patriots. Yes. I'm going to come to you first, okay. and I suppose, again, no spoilers yet, Okay. but generally, um, your thoughts on the game, without talking about any of the story. You actually, hold on. It existed. That's as far as I can go when I talk about no, the story. No, no, no. You actually said in the last episode, you said MGS4 was your favorite one, and the one you played the most. I'm pretty sure every time we talked about a Metal Gear, I said that either that one or the one, like the one like after or before it was the one I played the most. I have no idea which one I actually played the most. <laughs> but that was a fun game to play. Yeah, so what was uh, so fun about it? Uh, all the different... I had collectibles without having like a trophy for collectibles. Well, there was, it was actually before the time of trophies. Yeah. But uh, it had all the weapons to collect. And then like having to kind of like... um. 
had uh, one of the characters who was able to like take off the ID tags because I, I won't explain that. That's God, it's so difficult when I got to the story. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, collect guns. It was cool. And then collect different like camouflages and outfits and everything. And the fact that even within cutscenes, whatever camouflage or outfit or whatever you were wearing in the previous gameplay section that you did for two seconds uh, was in the cutscene as well. And like just the different kind of gameplay mechanics he added on to what he already had was really nice. Plus crouching. To build a move while crouched, that was great. Yeah. That was a cool addition, all right. <laughs> Took long before, yeah, wasn't it? You crouched, and then if you started to move, it would go prone. You'd lie down straight away and, and move that way. Like, you wouldn't actually move while crouched. Yeah. It's strange how, like, those are the big game developments. You know, like, back in the day, like, it's like, nowadays, if you couldn't crouch and move, it would just be shit, like, you know, or if you couldn't climb something or jump. There's no jump button. I I always notice that actually in a new game. If there's no jump button, I kind of go, this is weird. Like there's no. That was one of the things I remember. Five had seven remake. I'm not giving out about the game, but it was one of the ones where I was like, where's the fucking jump button? And like the only way he jumps is if mm. it's a scripted moment or if uh, you end up in aerial battle and he's locked onto an enemy, then he will jump and do it. But like I remember being like, man, I really want a jump button. I don't like it's it's something you only miss if it's not there. Like if it was there, you'd probably never use it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, Adam, your general thoughts on the game? I think the first thing that really stands out to you is the graphical performance and the character animation. Mm. Like, I know the trailer you're talking about, which is the segment where you're in the kind of Afghan region uh, going through this town. There's, like, the militia fighting. Uh, and that was such an impressive demonstration. Like, it, it, the, with the camera shakes, um, the explosions going around you, and... You could the the amount of things you could do as Snake, like uh, you know, obviously go prone and stuff like that. But I think it was one of the first where he could almost dive to the ground, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. And then you could roll onto your back and you could toss a grenade over your head and stuff like that. Like, I mean, when you try to play the game, a lot of that stuff is actually quite complicated to do. You know, they didn't quite figure out the button mapping quite well, but it was a huge advancement over Snake Eater. But the even the facial animations and textures, lighting, all of that was like a really huge leap. And it was at a point as well where people, the developers didn't really quite figure out the PS3 just yet. You know, like people were still struggling with it, which is why I think actually there's not that much gameplay in PS3 or on, on, on MGS4 uh, is because it's, it's quite difficult to develop for the PS3. And, but I think they... You know, they made a very impressive effort. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think to echo a lot of what you guys are saying, like the game additions that they put in, like I don't think there's enough gameplay to get to actually utilize it all. Do you know, mm. do you know that way? Like as soon as something's introduced to you, you're kind of, you're pushing it. But to be honest, that's not the draw of the game either. Like, no. so at no point was I going like, nah, man, come on, give me more gameplay, you know, because... It's really not the draw of this game, but I do. I think it was cool how many additions they gave uh, the different ways Snake and move. I like. Um, I mean, the graphics blew my mind absolutely, and and I to this day I still think they're really really good. Like I don't think they're bad. There are some of the best graphics on the PS3. Um, the character animations are fantastic. The performances of the characters are fantastic, and then the music. I thought was really really good. 
Um, I think the music, uh, still not as good. As, it still doesn't reach the heights of the first game for me. I know, like, there's there's moments where you could say, well, what are you talking about? But um, I think it stood out a little bit more than the last two games. Like, oh, really? aside from Snake Eater's opening theme, obviously, there is mm. bits where, like, they have a main theme that they play over and over again, where it's like, oh, well, now now I remember it because it's an actual melody that's being mm-hmm. repeated. Um, I felt two and three didn't always have those kind of moments. Um, but overall, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I fucking love the game. It really, <laughs> it's hard to, like, talk about it generally and not just jump straight into spiders because, like, realistically, that's the draw of the game. And also, yeah. my favorite thing about the game is how it ties up the the threads of the overall story. Yeah. I have never, ever experienced... Like, I'm not saying that MGS4 is by any means the best final game in a series, right? Like, it could be. But I have never experienced a game that ties up its history so satisfyingly. It's yeah. Actually, I, 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 I don't think I've yeah, ever experienced really the end it. of any series that so satisfyingly addresses as much as it possibly can yeah. in a way that seems then totally cohesive and as if, as if Kojima had planned it all along. <laughs> we, we know he didn't. Well, yeah, I, I have heard of people that didn't like like the 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 story or the right the tying in at all. Because yeah. they felt it was a bit like, you know, the architect sequence from... I, I knew you were going to say Matrix that. Yeah, Reloaded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I for, one, I, for one, really love the architect scene in The Matrix Reloaded. So it's absolutely what I was looking for. Because, yeah. like, I think that's one thing that, from MGS2, when it ended, uh, it ended on a kind of almost a cliffhanger. Oh, yeah. Um, Even though it was supposed to be the last one, it still ended with kind of so many questions. It's like, well the hell are the patriots like we, yeah. we kind of just heard about them uh who are they um ocelot's gone you know he's after taking metal gear ray with him so we didn't possessed even get, by liquid we didn't even get to finish him off yeah um and there's like this fucking baby hidden uh olga's baby was taken away by the patriots yeah yeah uh, so it's like well okay so there's all these loose ends and then the next game is snake eater based in the <laughs> 60s, 60s. And, and you're it gives like, you even more stuff where you're like, what? and where does that happen? And where does yeah. that go? And, you know. So Which is, uh, yeah, it just leaves you with way more yeah. questions. And you're kind of yeah, like, I don't does. see how, how all this ties in. So four wraps all together in a really nice bow. Yeah, I think so. I I really appreciated it for that. It made it feel like the whole thing was so, like, it was kind of like when you watch, um, uh, at least the first time you watch Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. And it's not there's not as much in Revenge of the Sith, to be honest, right? Revenge of the Sith is a little bit more straightforward. Like, it's really just one path. But there are little things in it where you go, ah, oh, you know, like, the bit where they go, like, it's a simple little throwaway line, but, like, wipe the protocol droid's mind. And you go, yeah. See, he did think of it. Yeah, yeah that's why he doesn't recognize Obi-Wan when he's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lucas, uh, he, he did know what he was doing, but, like, he, he didn't. You know, he, he knew some of it, but he was making up some of it as he went along, like, well, wouldn't it be cool if that actually leads to that? Yeah, it would, you know. There's yeah. elements of that going on. So it's just really interesting. I, so this isn't really a spoiler. It, it's in all the material that's on the cover of the case. Snake, in this game, Solid Snake, has aged tremendously. 
where no one else has, right? It's only a few years after MGS2. I think it's four or five years. 2009 to 2017 or something, I don't know. I think it's 2014, isn't it? Yeah, I thought it was like five years or something like that. Oh, okay. After it. Um, so how do people feel about Snake being so old in this game? I really liked it because it goes against the grain of usually playing as the young, youthful kind of character. But now he could be the grumpy person while being old. So now he's a grumpy old man. He's like Clint Eastwood in like nowadays films. It's great. Like it adds, <laughs> it adds like a new level of like kind of comedy to him. Um, but then it kind of does. That's interesting. Does I never looked of... at that as comedic. <laughs> oh no! So sometimes he is kind of a little funny, like. Yeah, with, yeah. With his grumpiness, but then also kind of revolutioned the idea of video games having old characters to play as, to be strong characters who can kick ass, such as Joel and Kratos. In uh, oh, okay, so you think yeah. you think Old Snake gave rise to that kind of thing, or I think well, I can't really. Maybe I'm wrong, but I can't really think of a game where you play as an old guy who if you spend crouched for too long has to kind of like fix his stretches back because he's like ah putting it out of place yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I really I really liked it and I think they had, a, they had a good reason as to why as well yeah how did you feel about Old Snake? I think it added uh, urgency to the whole thing Yeah. Um, it kind of also gave I think it also like with Snake you're kind of like well you're getting old man why don't you just live out the rest of your days but the fact that he's still willing to fight on and see it through it's the only thing he knows as well um but yeah I do think it just it it made it feel like at any point you could drop dead and lose because it's not like he's not just like an old man it's it's not that it's he's still quite a young man no, but, it, but yeah, it's, his body is a, failing him. His body's decaying, basically. It's, yeah. it's His cells are dying and aging rapidly. So he's got the fighting spirit of a young man, but his body is disagreeing with him. It's, it just feels like this thing that's holding him back uh, from doing the things that he, he needs to do, which is kind of, I suppose, a biological representation of what's happening in the game, which is there are these barriers that are stopping you from doing the things you need to do, and that's what you're trying to take out. Wow. Oh, you always take it to another level, man. <laughs> it's all metaphorical, you know? <laughs> it's like metaphorical yeah. gear solid. <laughs> <laughs> that's the translation of it, isn't it? Metaphorical gear solid. <laughs> I, um... I absolutely. I, <laughs> where do you go from here? Uh, end of the episode. No, I absolutely love the old snake visual. I think um, not only for the the narrative of it, because I do think they justify it, but I think um, from the outlook of it, it just feels like the end of a journey. It feels like the end of this character's life. Like this is like there's plenty of times where like this is my last mission. But, like, this is, like, not only they're saying it's his last mission, but, like, they're showing you, like, it is literally his last mission because he well, he doesn't have long left to live. It, even if he succeeds, there isn't a life after this. There isn't a possibility of sequels. Like, this is definitively coming to the end of Solid Snake's life. Yeah. Um, and I love, then, as a result, um, 
and I don't count this as spoiler territory because it's going off at the end of MGS2 and it's part of the setup of this game, right? So Liquid Ocelot is the antagonist of the game. And because he's wearing his hair down a certain way and the way is, he actually now looks like an old Liquid. Yeah. Mm. And I love the imagery of it. Like, I know he's, he is Ocelot, like, in how he appears. But I just love the imagery of, like, like in MGS1, you had young, solid, and Liquid fighting. And now it seems like years later it's old solid and old liquid and it's like the never ending battle or something and it's like yeah. one it of them has kind of looks like the whole you know like but... rambo 4 or with arnold schwarzenegger coming back to play the terminator and all that nice. kind of stuff yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's like these older veterans coming back to try and beat their younger selves and one more um, time yeah there is there is that to it but the whole game is quite you know there's there's a gloominess hanging over the whole thing just because the beginning of the game obviously the the start screen is yep. um well it's 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 old snake at a graveyard and he puts a gun in his mouth so there's almost like for the whole game it's like you you, you kind of know where it's going oh yeah and well. they, they showed that in the first ever teaser yeah they showed it was a different kind of scene and it wasn't fully rendered yet I don't think, but he, they had... He was in, like, an Afghan builder, I think, sitting on a yeah, pillar. Sitting on and a, goes, yeah, and he puts the pistol in his mouth, and they just have, yeah. like, a voiceover of, like, this is my last mission or something like yeah. that. And the screen cuts to black, and you, you're gunshot, and you go, no, he wouldn't. Would he? No. And then, of course, you're playing the game, and th- that image is constantly looming over you, and, like, and they keep talking about it's his last mission, and every time he's trying to do something, there's people saying, Snake, you know, you're not up to this anymore, and... um. Yeah. It just it, it it really does feel like a, an ending of a saga, um, and I kind of love it for that because like I think if you're gonna end something, you have to you have to know you're ending it. You can't yeah. kind of go it could be the end, but also let's leave it open to the possibility of sequels. Like you you have to make that bold choice of like this is the last one ever, it mm. you know, um, and then of course you make more, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You know, you go back when you can't go forward. That's always how it goes. <laughs> um, what's the last like? No, uh, oh, there's a lot of characters, right? Without going into stories, there's a lot of characters who return in this game. Um, what do you feel about like the ensemble cast of this particular game? I think it, it reinforces that this is the end. You know what I mean? Much the same as like Infinity War and Endgame, but bringing all of these characters, uh, like together, bringing them all back, it's it. It goes to show you this is the end, and then it's showing you the journey you went through, and all the characters you have met, and you know, like allies you have, and and enemies you have to fight and have fight fought. So I think it it is really nice, and it brings back good memories of your time playing all these games. So I actually I really do like that they bring everyone back. Yeah, yeah, I think the um, cast of heroes is really really good. Um, the villains aside, not so much. You know, you don't really get to see. Well, they can't really. You know, they can't exactly bring a bunch of them back. Like you have to obliterate most of them. Yeah. Um, but even as far as new enemies are concerned, they're they're not as uh, creative or interesting as some of the ones from the from the past. So the new cast, the the well, the good good side of characters, I think, is is really good in the game, but not so much yeah. on the bad side. Uh, I, I yeah I like bad the side the, the, the bad side yeah yeah Metal Gear Solid it's always complicated you know yeah. there's a few twists coming guys yeah um 
I, I think I, I overall really like the cast of characters and I love um even if they're not in it, I think every character has or at least most of the characters in the MJ series have at least a moment of recognition through these flashback sequences. Yeah. That I adore, that I think it could be my favorite thing about the game. Um I, I just think if you've played all the other games and then you play this game and, and it really builds on the nostalgia of everything that's gone before. And not yeah. only does that help you go, wow, look how far we've come, but it also is like, this is, really is the end. Like, this is where leading up to, like, this grand finale and, and kind of highlighting the journey that has come before it. Um, I love those moments. I think just so, and like, they happen from the start all throughout the game. You know, just flashbacks every time you meet someone. Um, for me, it never got old. It might the next time you play it, if you start doing it, it's like whoosh, 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 just making all these like flashy noises every time you push X. But um, I absolutely, I just loved that. I thought it was so good. I kind of there was part of me that wished other games would do it, but it, it's it owned it. You know what I mean? Like if other games do, do it, you know. I mean, yeah, you get it in Uncharted for Oh, you do you know get I mean? flashback scenarios. Yeah, I just um, really like the flashiness, how quick it is. Yeah, like the little. Um, I just think that's really cool. It's like it's very visual. Um. And I think that's pretty much all we can talk about. <laughs> it's not spoilery. I actually don't know what else we could possibly talk about without diving right into, like... Because, like, from the get-go, it jumps into the story. You know, it's impossible to... Okay, you know what? Here's the last thing we can talk about. and The actual setting, right? Now, normally, a Metal Gear Solid game takes place in a set location, maybe two, right? This one is really sort of... It's supposed to be a globetrotting adventure... Mm-hmm. Because the world itself has changed as a result of the the end of MGS2, right? So in this case, I don't think the setting is a place. The setting is what's going on, right, in the mm-hmm. world. Right. So how did we feel about the setting with that kind of mindset? So we're not talking about the location. We're just talking about the the. Well, I suppose of... the situation. What's going on in the world of MGS4, like? How did everyone feel about it? I think MGS2. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I did. Um, yeah. I think MGS2 kind of opened that up. It's it's one of the first games I think that kind of takes you away from. You know, you explore two different locations technically, right? Yeah. It's the tanker and then the plant, and then at the end you're taken away from the plant and you land uh, in New York. Um. And I think that kind of opens it up because it's kind of the first time you actually see Snake or even Raiden uh, in a civilian location where there's people actually walking around, you know? There's something about how that game ends just opens it up to the wider world. Yeah. Um, And they kind of make it clear that this is going to be a worldwide issue, you know, with Ray gone and... They even hinted at other uh, countries and, and governments building their own Metal Gears. Like, everyone has a Metal Gear. So they've already established that it's a worldwide issue. So I think it just fits. It absolutely fits. Um, as for the actual locations in the game, I think they could have helped, like, expanded them a bit more. Mm. Uh, allowed us to explore them a bit. Some of them kind of, I suppose, are a little generic uh they don't really feel lived in or there's culture really yeah uh in any of the areas i think afghan is probably the best uh, well we assume it's afghan we don't really know where it is it's just the middle east is what they say 
Yes. We yeah. actually don't know don't where, it, where, yeah, where it is. Yeah, they don't specify where it is. That one, I think, feels more authentic than, like, uh, they go to South America and they go to Europe. Those areas kind of, yeah, they just feel a little generic in comparison, I think. How about you, Eric? Uh, yeah, I, I like the, the, the reach that the Patriots have in this one now. Yeah. And I like uh, the introduction of uh, PMCs, uh, like paramilitary corporations, the idea that they're war economy. And so like that's how countries are funding themselves is through placing bets, essentially. I, if I'm maybe I'm incorrect about this, but is it that countries are placing bets on particular like military forces? Now I don't know. No, <laughs> I have no I don't idea. Think so. <laughs> I thought there was just war everywhere, and e- they're profiting off it. I don't. I don't really. I'm not sure who the war is against, or who's against who, or what's going on. Yeah, but I, I thought it was. It was so anyway. And I like having the whole mercenary thing. Like, like yeah, the war economy. People then the militia, and the rebels are fighting for their country, for their land against these essentially invaders is well what i got from it anyway i don't i'm not yeah. said, were they clear <laughs> i don't even know what's going on <laughs> i don't know yeah but, this is this time it's not going to be us telling you though like, like what the plot is because i don't think we know either like in terms in terms yeah. of the actual conflict like i know what the actual story is about yeah in terms of who's fighting who i i don't know i don't even know if that matters i don't know if that's even the point like who's fighting who or like it's just become no. life or something in the world it's like everyone is just fighting and everyone is tagged and under control and those who aren't are being hunted and sought after and it's like if you're not on the system then you're an enemy to the system i i always thought that was kind of the thing like and the pmcs then work for the patriots and so the patriots aren't a country so they're not using a country militia they're using their own private military and it has become the military force of the world as a result or at least all these different military companies have become the military force of the world uh, uh, no, it's, it's all very complicated. <laughs> they they have because when you're in the Middle East, you fight the praying mantis. Right, praying or mantis, yeah, PMC, yeah. Is, yeah, is one cell of like six cells that work for Liquid. Yeah. Ocelot. Yeah, they belong the, to Outer Heaven. Yeah. It's anyway right back to my point right. So I literally <laughs> like that that kind of whole opening up that idea that there is more to military than just countries fighting countries and that there is um these whole like paramilitary corporations and everything and then but i would prefer if like what adam's saying we did stay in afghan i didn't say yeah, was, we should stay there i'm just saying uh, like yeah. uh, or middle east even wherever well then you'll agree with me because i think we should stay there i <laughs> yeah i i, I, I like, like going to the other areas i like what's going on in the world um and I like the way the story plays out. Uh, the only thing that I would change, it's just my opinion, I was really excited about the desert terrain, mainly because, um, well, not only because I thought it kind of, when you see ruined buildings and and, and sand and the thoughts of war and everything, there's a, there's a visual thing that goes with it where it's like there's an absence of life when you don't see like plants and stuff. There's like a, mm. uh, obviously that's just, part of the world's terrain but it's just there. there's sort of an image that i couldn't get out of my head like this mm. is what the world could become like all over the world if war keeps going right like just this kind of ruined terrain um so thematically i liked it but also the first game was snow the second game was water the third game was jungle so for me 
desert was the next obvious kind of where the focal point should be. And I, I would have preferred, like, keep the story intact. I would have preferred that up until Act 4, and I won't say what that is yet, you are in the Afghan. So the first three acts are all, well, Middle East, wherever it is, that you're, all of it takes place in the Middle East in this war zone. I think you would get more time with growing accustomed to what's going on in the world. I think you'd get more time to actually use that kind of gameplay that they had introduced if you had stayed in one place for much longer. And then later on, they throw you a curveball and take it to these other places and, yeah. and lead you up to the big finale. I, I, for me, I definitely I think, think that the area... Yeah, it needs, I think... Well, I thought that area was actually okay-sized. I don't think it needed necessarily to be bigger because I think the other areas are not as big. I think it starts no. to shrink after that. But uh, I like the addition of kind of a desert-like area, right? It adds a whole new type of combat. It kind of feels along the lines of, you know, like Modern Warfare and uh, like Black Hawk Down, that kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, but I, I, I like that you get to go to South America and Europe, but I think they could have used it as an opportunity to have a, a kind of a callback to the previous games so make south america a jungle okay so yeah. actually it's like the snake eater kind of survival in a like very deep jungle, jungle as opposed to what they did yeah yeah but it's you know with these newer graphics newer you know but it, how you're going to go about it is going to be different than how you did it in the first act which is in the desert yeah, yeah, okay. So you'd have to actually adapt and change your sneaking. And then with Europe, you're back to urban. It's called back to either NGS2 or, or 1. You're in an urban environment. So now your techniques are going to be different. And there is a sneaking element, obviously, but it's Wouldn't have been not so good. cool, though, for the Soliton radar to come back up in the corner of your screen. And <laughs> I know thematically there's actually a reason you don't use the Soliton, or there's a story narrative reason as to why you don't use the Soliton radar, but yeah. I'd have loved to have seen that back. I'd have really? loved to have seen it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I loved Soliton radar. See, I don't think I'm not a huge fan of the little yeah. circle. It wasn't necessary, though. The... No. no, no, but like to have a radar at all, I, w I would prefer to see good old, ding, you know, the... <laughs> like I just love that. What it's, actually, uh, if when we're on talking about technology and things that we can't spoil, what did everyone think of the geckos? Um, I like them. As far, uh, I don't know. I mean, as, I don't really care about them. As far as like Metal Gears go, like I know they're not really a Metal Gear, but like they're they're kind of the new Metal Gear in this game. Like there's not really a new Metal Gear. Like they kind of are it. Um, they're definitely my least favorite. I definitely prefer everything that came before them like the shago hat even i prefer yeah well uh, yeah they're not metal gears they're I, yeah they're just they're units they're yeah enemies and i think what makes it's them the cow weird. noises though that's weird like there's moments of them where it's cool but like those weird cow noises like what the hell are they thinking i think there they was, was like, straight uh, up there was actually a cool reason stuff. for that i think it's maybe hidden in the um i'm sure there is because he always has a fucking amazing yeah like, like, it, it is actually kind of you know, I, th I thought it was pretty cool. You know, you start, you go, Fat Man, what a stupid name. And then you find it and you go, best yeah. thing ever. Um, <laughs> I but... don't know if this is true. Well, oh. I did hear this. And I think the reason for it was something to do along the lines of they were trying to apply animal noises to these robots. One, it gives them kind of um, an approach, approachness to it. Like, so if, if you're working with it, 
if it's on your side, there's yeah. a, a kind of a way to approach it. Uh, and then if you're an enemy and you're shooting and killing it, and it sounds like an animal dying, that you'd be more sympathetic to it being as oh, a as Then a they should have gave it like puppy noises, man. Right? Yeah, they should have just like, had like... A cow like... is kind of like, it's like, well, now I'm hungry. Whereas like, <laughs> you're shooting something and it's going, you'd be like, oh man, come on. What are you doing to me? <laughs> I just, I think I actually would have preferred, like, I know they wanted to show new things. I think I genuinely would have thought it'd be much cooler to see unmanned rays that have different like camo for different areas. But unmanned rays... Jesus, imagine taking that off. Yeah, no, but like, if they're surveying territories and people when once they hear a ray come they shit themselves and run i think it just would it would have tied in better for me because it's like you saw him get away with a ray at the end it was like ray has been mass produced into these like fucking crazy weapons that the patriots have uh everyone else has these shitty metal gear units or whatever but like the yeah. patriots have like all these unmanned rays that they had been building all along you know um since all right crazy two. idea crazy me, idea oh, fucking great how about the but, ray yeah and gecko <laughs> yeah do you know what actually well, i think actually, having yeah yeah ray like having a combat a conflict with ray at the end of the middle east act probably would have been if one a had, really cool yeah. battle actually yeah. you, you get no boss fight in the um, middle east um it takes a while for boss fights to kick off in this game and so, yeah, I, like that would have been so cool. Like if you took on a few geckos at that point and you were like, yeah, I got this. And then a ray pops down yeah, uh, and you got to take it on. Like that would have been so cool. And it could come down from the sky and it could be like a Ray Skywalker Metal Gear. Uh... What the fuck <laughs> are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you just no. kept saying Ray and I just thought of the sequel trilogy. I would have liked to have seen that. So I, I'm not mad on the geckos. I think if there was something else, then they would be fine. But because they are like the big thing that seems to be like mm -hmm. patrolling the world, eh, I'm not really. I don't really care. I mean, them. I prefer them to the scarabs. Yeah, the scarabs, Ooh. I absolutely hate. Yeah, they're, I don't like scarabs either. They really ruined the game, I think. Because the they're whole... not even difficult. <laughs> no, they're not. They're just annoying. They're just annoying yeah. as fuck. And they look silly. Okay, so I think, look, we've talked about the setting. Uh, we've talked about some of the gameplay and the graphics, the visuals, and some of the characters without getting deep into the spoilers. We we can't go much further, I think, without really getting into it. So from now on, it's a spoiler talk. Again, if you have played the game, you are familiar with the game, or you don't care about the game and you just want to listen to some guys chat about this game and be like, what the fuck are they talking about? Um, then welcome aboard. Whereas if, if this is something you haven't played and you're like, you know what, I'd love to... I don't know how you'd get it, to be honest, but if you really want to source a PS3 and, and, and get MGS4 and play it. I don't know if it's on the PS now. It's, I don't, on, it's, PS on, now. it's on the Xbox Game Pass thing. That, no, it's not. See, that's what I'm wondering, because MGS2 and MGS3 it were. Is, but it, is, it is on PS now. It's on yeah, PS, it's on now. PS okay, now. Okay, so you could check it out. Uh, definitely worth playing if you've played the other ones. Not sure if it's worth playing if you haven't. A uh, friend, <laughs> friend of mine started with MGS4. And what was the verdict? He loved it, but he didn't really get it. You know what I mean? Like, and like, you wouldn't really. I That's don't think was, like, quite surprising. He, he got a gist of what was going on, but all the nostalgia beats obviously didn't hit. Yeah. So his experience was different, and I think he totally went backwards. I think he, then he went three, two, one, um, because he was sort of like, well, at this point, there's no point in going one, two, three, because I know the outcome of the whole thing. So I might as well look at it like take a step back each time and peel back the. Yeah. Um, 
I think but the yeah. best way, if, if no one has ever played this game, um, the best way to kind of explain it, I guess, not explain the story, but explain the kind of nostalgic feeling we get from it, is if you've ever played Uncharted 4 and you're in uh, Drake's attic at the, near the beginning of the game and you're looking at all the things that you've picked up uh, from the other games yes. and then you go downstairs and you play the PlayStation with... Um, with yes. boy. that that like mgs4 the entire game is that yeah it's absolutely not just one 100%. scene the entire no, no. game is that. that yeah and if yeah. you played that and didn't really get it but you enjoyed the rest of the game you won't enjoy this <laughs> no, yeah it'd like, be very difficult to enjoy mgs4 if you never played the other ones i think so so now that we and unlike talk- i oh. think you can play on mgs2 <laughs> You alright there, Chris? Yeah, go on. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can play MGS2 without playing the first one. Wow. I think you can play MGS3 without playing any of the others. I think you can play MGS3 and MGS1 without playing any of the others. But I think MGS2 and MGS4, and this is not anything against them, rely on the others. I don't think MGS2 I, does. I think MGS2 hits so much harder. I think you can play it, but like, it's still, there's a lot of stuff that won't resonate. Like, it is... It doesn't do as much nostalgia as MGS4, but MGS2... Well, it doesn't do fucking any. Well, MGS, the whole plot of MGS2 is to recreate MGS1. Like, <laughs> if no, you don't I really... know that, but you don't get that until you play MGS4. No, no, they say that at the end of MGS2. You just I don't know, get... but it really doesn't hit, hit, though. It yeah, doesn't yeah. really hit until you play MGS4. No, what do you think, Eric? Can you play MGS... Can you play all the other ones uh, independently? I mean, I mean, yes. Yeah, of course you can oh, play them. Of course you can, in... no, but, like, yeah, should yeah. you? Should you? Could you? Ah, no. That's that'd be like that'd be like you know. It, well, it's just gonna take Marvel. Marvel, very famous, the MCU. That'd be like picking up I don't know Civil War and be like, who the, who the hell's that guy? Yeah, it's like like I mean, yeah, you can watch it, but like yeah, you can watch it, but you you don't know who the hell any of these people are. I think you're kind you of getting people. Any of the others. Like my point is, I think you could play MGS two first and yeah. then go back to MGS one. Of course I don't think it's going to affect your impact on on like how you take the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. MGS4 is the only one in the series where you just can't do that. No. You actually have to play all three to get this. You do. So, with that in mind, and full spoilers now, where do we begin with this beast? You actually mentioned um, they're probably the smallest part of this story. Like, in the other games... Uh, bosses play a, probably a much bigger role, right? In this game, the bosses are kind of just there to be bosses, really. They're just there to be boss fights. Like, they're yeah, not yeah. really important to the plot. But what did everyone think or make of the Beauty and the Beast core? I mean... Oh, sorry, all, Eric. Like, Adam has to, like, Snake swallow Hound. all of his anger. Is that what called? Snakehound is another name for them, which is a cooler yeah. name, but they never really refer to them as that in the game. No, they just oh. always refer to them. Well, it's Drebin. Drebin always... Refers to him as B and B, the B and B core. Yeah. Why he decides to go? Let me tell you about the story. It's like, ah, man, I don't have time. There's a nuke going to go off now, and I'm going to tell you about their backstory. Let's be honest. Raging Raven is kind of the worst one. The worst. Raging fight... Raven is probably the worst thing in Metal Gear Solid as a saga. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like full stop. <laughs> I don't mind the design. Emma, Emma, I don't mind any of their so designs. I think, I think all their designs. Are really cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, Rage Raven's kind of. But that whole chapter isn't great either. No. For gameplay, like, no. No, for gameplay, yeah, it's, it's very bad, and the fight is just completely shoehorned in. 
Uh, Laughing Octopus is great. Uh, Crying Wolf is nostalgic as fuck. Screaming Mantis is just one hell of a great name. Screaming Mantis. That's horrifying. <laughs> and then you see her, it's like, ah, that's even more horrifying. Uh, yeah, they're okay. All the boss fights are okay. That's your thoughts on them. There's two boss fights the whole thing that are good. And the rest are just there to be boss fights. They don't really add much. They're quite uninspiring, a lot of yeah, them. Yeah, even their... I, I, I'm not really that mad on their designs. I think they're kind of... They are... They, they all lack character, I think. Okay. You know, there's they all kind of look the same. I know the silhouettes are slightly different because some of them are in, like, a mech, mechanized wolf and stuff like that. But the characters themselves are kind of all wearing the same outfits and they go on the same and their backstories are almost exactly the same. Copy and paste. Minus... Yeah. Huh? Copy and paste. They just yeah. all, they'll just all have different change the emotion and change the animal. That's I like, think the the pretty much it. I think Laughing Octopus is the best one. Uh just because it is the first one you counter. The fight itself is actually interesting. Yeah. Pretty much hide and seek in a well, it seems like kind of like a haunted house almost. Yeah. And the backstory hits hard i think because uh, the first time it's the you're, first you're... time you hear it yeah. yeah and then when once you start fighting the other ones you're kind of like oh, okay right it's it's like it's like laughing octopus all over again <laughs> and the fights aren't they're not great um even the crying wolf one the the fight is not it's not good I'm nostalgic to, though i'm about to fucking shock you guys are you you fucking ready for this shit okay go on on paper, I fucking love the Beauty and the Beast core. I was so excited for them. I couldn't believe it. The second they were announced and I saw their names, I was like, wow. Because for me, I totally bought into that. This was like the finale. This is it. This is the big one. And what they were was a mishmash of every boss we fought before. So their name is a mishmash of the emotions from the Cobras and then the fucking badass animal code names from the first game, right? But their weapons and their technology was like the bosses from the second game, you know? So, Laughing Octopus had, like, the tentacles and the gun of Solidus. And then Rage and Raven, uh, I mean, I'm making excuses here, but explosives, right? Fat man. And then <laughs> Crying Wolf had the, the fucking railgun of Fortune, and Screaming Mantis had, like, the knives of Vamp, right? So, I was for me, I was like, wow, this is so cool. And I remember the first time I saw them in a magazine, and I didn't really... I don't think I looked at their silhouettes closely enough, because... I automatically assumed that what they were, which in some ways is cooler than what they actually are. <laughs> um, I at first I thought what they were, and I was actually go- I remember going around. I remember like actually going around telling people, "Man, you know what they're doing with the bosses in the new game?" As if I knew for a fact. Like, and t- and people are like, "Wow, that's unreal!" It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. You heard it here first, folks. Um, I was fully convinced that they were. Do you know, like Gray Fox is obviously a cyborg sort of reincarnation of Gray Fox, who was pretty much dead. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, these are the cyborg ninja reincarnations of the guys from the first game, right? Like, Liquid has brought back his fucking squad and they're taking revenge on the world. So I was like, Raging Raven is Vulcan Raven and Screaming Mantis is Psycho Mantis. I wasn't fucking far off on that one. But, no. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I thought they were at first. And I was so excited yeah. to see, in particular, I was so excited to see Laughing Octopus because like, we never knew Decoy Octopus. And this is going to be so cool to finally get a chance to like 
So anyway, obviously I was wrong. They're not that. <laughs> so design-wise, I think they're awesome. Uh, in terms of what they actually are, yeah, I totally echo what you guys are saying. Really lackluster, kind of bosses for the sake of bosses as opposed to really fitting into the plot. Um, the backstory is copy-paste. Laughing Octopus is the best of them and is the most interesting of them. And that fight is the most interesting of them. I think after that, Screaming Mantis. Yeah. Um, then Crying Wolf fight? and then Raven. Raven. Uh, no, in terms of like design, character, the whole, character. the whole lot. Right? Um, I like. I think my fa- my second favorite backstory is Crying Wolf. Oh I yeah, mean, that is Some messed up. That is so I actually up. wish though, right? And I do wish their backstories were a bit more varied. Um, I do think that was kind of laziness. But I think it would have been so much better to get their backstories from Rose. Because Rose is a psychiatrist in this game. And yeah. she's brought on to be your um, psychiatrist. Psychiatrist, yeah. To handle your stress, right? But you never call her. You have no reason to call her at all. So she actually does fuck on the plot. And Drebin is involved a lot. So for me, it would have been so much inter- so much more interested if she like pulls up their old psych files. Like, these are fucking psychopaths. Like. And you actually hear elements of their story before you fight them. Yeah. Then you're, as, yeah, like, and then they could you just kill him, and you get a call, and you get like a a, a fucking monologue of their backstory. Very clear that he had a backstory for them and did not know how to put it in, put it in at all. But yeah, I think that would have been much better if you knew bits and pieces, even if it was almost like Resident Evil style. You're picking up notes yeah, or something, files or little tapes, even, and like, you yeah. have to like piece it all together, and then perhaps their backstory plays a role within the fight yeah you know like a like a scarecrow kind of moment or something you know i think they definitely could have made those fights uh, a lot more interesting but I, I i do think there was time restrictions and hardware limitations that yeah well i mean like like i think his fight with laughing octopus is actually is really good like it, yeah. it speaks for itself um to segue from that What's everyone's before we get into all the other stuff? Since we're on bosses and stuff, and there is some other boss fights, it's not just the four of them. But what is your favorite boss fight in the game? Um, well, for me, it's uh, there's three that are really good. Um, picking a favorite out of those three is tough because they're yeah. good for different reasons. Yeah. Laughing octopus being one. We're all of gonna the take it the same three, I'd say. Yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> laughing octopus because as a new boss fight it is it is interesting it is it's kind of you know it's a little bit like the fear a bit having an enemy that you can't see and also a little bit like the end because it's hiding and you have to go and try find the person and also um, a bit like gray fox doing the whole looking for a stealth person with a yeah. sort of lab yeah but then it also feels new and fresh as well so that's why i quite like that fight uh but then uh, Huge spoiler, obviously. There's a moment where you get to man Metal Gear Rex. I mean, come on. <laughs> and you get to fight, to fight Metal, Metal Gear, Gear Ray. Ray. Yeah. In Metal come Gear on. Rex. And it's like, a you dreamed of that through. as a kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. You dreamed <laughs> of using Rex as a kid. And you're kid. like, of course Solid Snake gets Rex. And of course Liquid gets Ray. Come on. Like, that's a badass fight. Yeah. And then the third fight then is actually hand-to-hand combat on top of Haven fighting Ocelot. Yeah, with the the life bars and the music changing uh, to reflect time. the journey you've been on. Yeah. 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 So do you know which one's your favorite? Actually, you know what? I'll come to Eric. We'll come back to you. 
No, 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 yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, Draw on yeah. Adam. Draw on Adam. <laughs> Let Adam endure. You're like, I am not ready. I'm not ready. Okay, go on, Adam. Yeah, can you pick a favorite between them? Um, whatever he picks, I'll pick the opposite. Probably. Uh, <laughs> Let's all pick one of those three each. <laughs> we cover our asses. <laughs> I think I, I'm. I might have to say the Rex one, uh, just because. Every time you go to play, I think that that is just fun anyway, right? Regardless yep. of the what's going on and the theme and all that kind of stuff, it is actually just fun to do all the different things that Rex does. You know, like the different, like his machine guns, his attacks, his missiles, whatever it is. And just breaking up the area around you in Rex is, is really, really fun. Because uh, I think the fight against Ocelot, it's not, it's not really a fun fight, you know? It's just what's going on is really cool. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to go with, with Rex. Rex, okay. Eric? Well, now I have to pick. I was going to go with Rex because I thought Adam was going to choose Ocelot. <laughs> so, I, I want your honest one. I know It's not about who picked what. It's, you know, as long as you picked... Uh, like, okay, hold, what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we're being honest, I, I, I would reckon we're all going to pick Rex. But I'm going to pick Ocelot just so then I can talk about that because Adam talked about, pretty much mentioned everything that's great about the Rex fight. Well, actually, you mentioned everything was great with the Ocelot fight, too, to be honest. Uh, but, yeah, I'll go with the Ocelot one. Just because you have the the life bars that change per game, and then you have the music that's per game, the fighting styles change per game, mm-hmm. The you get the flashbacks to each version of Liquid and Ocelot from each game yeah. as well, yeah. which, is, which is just... And then just the slow beating, which kind of reminds me of, like, the... Um, the hand-to-hand fight, the end of Mission Impossible 2, where they're just going at each yeah. other and just yeah. beating each other until eventually one of them falls, which yeah. I think is great. And it's just a great finale fight to the whole thing. On top the whole of series. Yeah. The whole series, yeah. Yeah, no, the Ocelot fight is my favorite fight too, for, for all those reasons. But yeah, I mean, the Rex one definitely comes in very close. Like, Rex mm-hmm. and Ray, come on. like this is That's just fucking crazy. You're like, you dream of that happening, and you think it'll never happen. And then he goes, you know what? It's weird that he always was like, I'm never making another one, and I don't want to make this one. Because then he makes another one, and he puts absolutely everything you could possibly want into it. And when he makes four, he goes, I'm going to tie up everything and give you just, like, the dream at Metal Gear Battle. <laughs> you just go, fucking wow. You hate yeah. this? <laughs> you're like, you're like helping us out here man but yeah the Ocelot fight is definitely my favorite yeah it's not a fun fight but i just i think i definitely love the way it progresses um the life bar change and the music change and the fighting style change and then them slowly boxing each other out until (laughs) yeah it's just fucking great like you know because it starts off with such pace and such energy and then it just comes to a close and it's like you feel like the series is coming to its close within that fight it's just fucking great it's like, it's sort of like, I mean, it's not the same kind of energy, but it's like Anakin and Obi-Wan, you know, it's, it's just like this biblical fight almost, you know, it's the, the big, the big showdown. I love it. Um, since we've mentioned Ocelot, uh, <laughs> we're going to have to talk about now his role, not in this game, because his role in this game is his role in the series as a whole. Yeah. I think we've touched on it a little bit in the last episode, Snake Eater, I think we, we, alluded to the fact that he has such a huge role to play across the entire thing yeah yeah well actually as well because we we talked about i think um when we talked about mgs1 
I remember Adam, I asked you who's your favorite character, and you went, oh, yeah, I think Ocelot. And I was like, because of this game or because of the series? And you were like, uh, because of this game, but because of the series, yeah, way more. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's the role that he plays in this in this series. You're like, did he did he fucking plan this shit? Like, it's so weird that he always had like a cliffhanger, and you're like, how could you possibly leave that hanging? Like, this is too good to leave. <laughs> um, like you never convinced this. Like, because you know, you're not done. Now, actually, after four, I was convinced. I was like, he is done. Like, this is definitely yeah, it's done, yeah, yeah. and I do not need. As much as I love Metal Gear Solid, I do not need another one because for me it was such a satisfying conclusion to the whole story. But how? What do you guys think of Ocelot's role in this game and the series now as a whole? What a genius! The hell out of me. Like, I, I'm pretty sure. What, yeah, yeah, first time is like, huh? But then again, I'm pretty sure first time with Metal Gear Solid Four, I was like, huh? Yeah. I mean, oh, I'm yeah. still like, what's with the military soldiers? Like, huh? <laughs> first time I was definitely convinced that he was possessed by liquid. Mm. But then so was he, right? No. Uh, no, he, I don't think he was convinced. He just... Uh, he not, not convinced, just made to... <laughs> I thought... He, act he like had, him. Yeah, no, because I was like, is it not that to complete his goal... Mm. He had to like become something that the Patriots couldn't predict, and yeah. <laughs> genuinely hypnotize himself to believe he is liquid. No, he, no, because then at he, the end he doesn't he acknowledge. Hypnot- he hypnotizes himself to be able to perfectly mimic Liquid Snake, yeah. so that everyone could can be convinced he was Liquid Snake, and then he also has Liquid Snake's nano machines, so the Patriots couldn't control him. But yeah. he's always Ocelot. That's why yes, in the fourth yeah. one, he never mimics Liquid Snake. He's only ever Ocelot. He's always pretending. He's always pretending. Yeah. He's not even Ocelot. He's actually an eight-year-old Vietnamese child. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, at the very end, he does the whole, you're pretty good. He does. For um, his final little send-off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is his little, I suppose, thing the whole way through the games, but... Um, yeah, no, he is. And what I think is really interesting about him as a character is he is the good guy, kind of. He's the guy. I know you're fighting him, yeah. but you're playing a snake, a guy who's actually doing the bad guy's work in every game. Yes, in every game. You are working for the Always. bad guys, <laughs> even though yeah. you don't realize it. And the guy that you're trying to fight this whole time is actually against the people that are controlling you. Yeah. So, yeah. Osla is the hero of the saga. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. wow. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he is willing to kill an awful lot of people. For Osla is definitely a ends justify the means kind of guy. Right? He, he's he's yeah, like he's, the overall goal of freedom from the Patriots is worth any price to pay. No matter what that yeah. price is, it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. He want he right? will become the villain of the story to stop the real villains of the story. But he doesn't actually in an interesting way, he doesn't do the kind of sacrifice like that the boss does, right? Like because I think well that's does. where I feel like you were going. No, because in history it goes down as Ocelot the, the loyal spy of the Patriot 
was possessed by liquid and liquid made him do all those bad things. <laughs> right. Yeah. But okay, liquid it's not, goes down yeah. in history as the villain. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The boss is sacrificing her post mortem name. Yes. Liquid was sacrificed in his life. Oh, Ocelot, you mean? Sorry, Ocelot. Yeah, yeah Ocelot yeah. was sacrificed in his his life. So he's like, look, I'm gonna. If I die, I don't give a shit what you say about me. It doesn't matter. Right. But yeah. he sacrificed his entire life because he he was never straight with anyone. No, he, well, this he, is true. Yeah. So I think that I think Ocelot it, it made a, a larger sacrifice than the boss. In some way, it's amazing that um, in the end, because you're always wondering who Ocelot is loyal to, and his loyalty always shifts and changes in the games. And in the end, what it is, is he is loyal to his mission and his mission alone. Well, him and Eva came up with this mission, but even to pull it off, he needed to deceive her. Yeah, right? Yeah. Isn't that, am I wrong there? Like the two of them were like, we need to take down the Patriots. Yeah. It has but... gone way too far. We need yeah. to stop this. And then he's like, okay. There's only one way to do this, though, and I can't even fill you in on it. Like yeah. no one can know. It's the uh, it's the only way to do it is that even I have to feel like I I have to seem like I don't know. Right? <laughs> like I gotta lie to the world. I can't even tell thing. myself the plan. I can't tell myself what's going on. <laughs> but there is there's an element of that, right? Like she's like, yeah. like he has to be oh, sh- someone else so that even she can't talk sense into him. Yeah, no, she genuinely thinks that that's liquid as well. Isn't that fucking crazy? Yeah. Nuts. Anyway, oh, man. So we've talked a lot about what would be considered the villains of the of the story, right? Let's hop over to the hero side. Um, and actually, we'll kick it off with, there's a certain character that everyone hated <laughs> in MGS2. They hated him, right? <laughs> Even though we talked about how he was such a necessary character and it was important for MGS2's story. And uh, he makes a comeback in this game in the form of very, very many awesome cutscenes, and he does lots of awesome stuff. How did everyone feel about Johnny? How did everyone feel about Raiden in this game? So cool. Why do I say how did everyone feel? There's only fucking three of us. Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the audience how y'all? How do y'all feel about it? Y'all? <laughs> we got a Raiden for everyone in the audience. Uh, well, I, I never, ever, ever, I never had a problem with Raiden anyway. You were happy. Well, I, yeah, I was. I was grand. But I, I like that this was a moment to kind of uh, redeem the character and mm. make him. I guess I don't think anyone hated Raiden in MGS4. I mean, how can you? You know, he appears as the cyborg ninja. What's there to hate? Yeah. And he, like... he almost becomes uh, Jack the Ripper, which we've discussed is is one of the cooler st- sides of Raiden. Yeah. Yeah. Um. He takes on this dark path, and he kind of loses his humanity, and eventually, you know, redeems himself and finds it at the end. Yeah, right. That that fucking cutscene where he he's, has no arms, but yeah. he's wearing a sleeveless jacket and has the sword in his mouth and and lightning powers. It's just like it's like this is a bit nuts. <laughs> <laughs> like I know Metal Gear Solid, like, but this this is a bit nuts. You're like I like. I just did a fucking fight in two Metal Gears. But this is fucking weird. <laughs> what did you think of Raiden, Eric? I love him. He comes down and he kills like four get like geckos in an instant and then takes on Vamp in a very like 
then that's like another iconic. I love, I love their conflict. Yeah, I like really an good. iconic conflict of like they're kind of both cyborgs in that, but and they're both waiting for, to die. Yeah, that's Almost, great. Yeah, it's really cool. I love everything they do writing in this game. Mask is cool. I love his character. Um, I love what's going on with him and Rose and stuff, and that there's mm-hmm. uh, Rose has supposedly had a child with Campbell, and what's going on there. Like, I just so many arcs that are going on and twisted. Lots of people are making little sacrifices as they go on. Um, the only thing I don't like about writing in this game, I fucking hate his ninja suit. I hate what? it. Yeah, what? I hate it. I, I, I don't. I wish it was the Ninja Gray Fox suit. I just wish it was that. Can't do that though. Gray foxes. And though, then, you know like, I mean, like... Come... no, but Olga had that. No, she didn't. She had a variation but, of it. Yeah, what I mean is, I wish it was a variation of that. I wish it was Raiden's variation of that. I don't like the the glass look and everything. I'm not, I'm not into it. Ah, no, it's cool, man. You're it's wrong. Like I wish it was a very. I wish he'd come down. You saw a Ninja standing up, comes down, kills all the things, and then he looks up, and the thing opens up, and you see Raiden's face. Like you already know what's Raiden, but when it happens, and you're just like, yeah, because we all knew. We're all pretty much saying, like, oh, Ryan's going to be the next ninja. But uh, I, j- I just don't like the look of him. That's all. But the way he's... His character is fantastic. Like, the way he's utilized, yeah. everything he does is amazing. So it's, like, it's, it doesn't make me hate the character. I just wish that it's the final game. I wish I got to see the sort of ninja Gray Fox look again one last time. And to see that suit fight vamp would have been fucking great. But that's, that's, that's just me. Everyone else is like... Should've, you should have played the Metal Gear Rising game where you get the I did. where you actually do have the the Grey Fox outfit. Yeah, no, I did play it. <laughs> All right, which which outfit was worse then? The one in Metal Gear 4 or his official one from Metal Gear Rising? I think I actually prefer the one in Metal Gear Rising. <laughs> <laughs> They're not that much different. They're not hugely different. No. Um I mean just things about that I don't like. I don't like the strappy eye patch thingy, but um hey Stop changing the subject, okay? <laughs> we, we were on riding. Okay. Yeah, we were uh, still on riding. We're still on riding. Well, what else is there to say about riding? You got anything else to say about him? I like him. I don't like a suit. That's, that's all I got. <laughs> well, I think it's great that they kind of... Uh, yeah, the... At the end of MGS2, he was saying pretty much his, his, his next mission was to go save Olga's child from nice, yeah. the Patriots. And we never see him do that, but... We see the outcome of that, which is Sonny, who now lives with um, Otacon and Snake. So funny. And he's he's gone like AWOL, AWOL. after that. Yeah. Um, he's almost like a, a Hawkeye in in the Endgame kind of a thing, you know. He's just gone yeah. off, just taking on the world yeah. as a ninja. Um, but I think as a new cast of characters, Sonny is one of the most important additions to the it's story amazing, isn't it like, yeah th- this child actually has a huge role to play as a, like in the series as a result what well, well, actually yeah what do we think of sunny as a character it's i think a- at first she's fairly like you know there's uh that japanese anime kind of approach to you mm. know depicting children in in things um i think she could have been portrayed a little bit better <laughs> but uh right the you know her importance in it, and I suppose her innocence is uh, a really important factor. You know, because she's growing up in isolation. Yeah. She's never seen the outside world. 
and she just wishes. I mean, she's a bit like Rapunzel in this kind of story. <laughs> <laughs> well, you I know? love that. Um, yeah, I love that theme of it. Like, I do agree. Yeah, the voice actor can be a bit, a bit annoying. Like, not necessarily. I don't think she's portrayed particularly well. But as a character, the idea of always been on the move, grew up in isolation inside a plane or inside buildings or like ne- never seen the outside world, and it really resonates when. And she just knows so much about technology because that's all she's been around. That's what she's grown up with. And it's a basically like, this is what the children of the world, like this is the world they're growing up in and this is the world they're living in. And it's fascinating then that when she obviously plays a huge role in taking it all down. And at the end, she's outside and she sees another child and mm-hmm. she gets to play with another child for the first time. And like that's sort of what the Metal Gear Solid series pretty much ends on. I know there's more after that. But yeah. literally, like the happy ending is two children from different countries playing together. Yeah, and, like, the war is over. Like the, it's a really, it's a really powerful image. I think the hopes of everybody, isn't it? <laughs> the children from <laughs> two different war, nations. The, all wars will end, and children from all different nations will just play together. Well, that's, yeah, exactly. That's so. that is the yeah. hope of the world. Yeah. 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 Um, and it's a lovely image that she has that flower in her hair for so long. I know Naomi gives it to her, but. Mm. There's there's a little element of nature that like other people, it would mean nothing to them, but it means a lot to Sunny. Yeah. She doesn't get to see the outside, so it's cool. What did you think of Sunny, Eric? I I really like the kind of paternal instinct that comes into Snake and Otacon and Raiden and maternal instinct actually that goes into Naomi, that like everyone just instantly gets a connection to Sunny that kind of makes them a lot more human, reminds yeah. you that they're human. By having just this one character that's just new and it just makes everything feel a lot more realistic and kind of grows them up a bit more. I suppose it's kind of a frustration with them as well. Like Snake, yeah. I think, gets a little bit frustrated around Sunny because she's putting out cigarettes. Well, it's not just that. It's just that, yeah, yeah I suppose she intervenes with such yeah. innocence. And Snake is just like, he's old and he's just like, you just don't know how the world is. You don't know how yeah. things are going. Just stop with your input. Yet it's because of her they win. You know, it's because of her input that they win at the end. Yeah, but and... it's also a lovely um, callback or parallel. Like you see how far Snake has come, and it is as a result of spending so much time with Otacon. Like Otacon has done wonders for Snake as a person, right? Yeah. Because in the first game, the whole theme of the first game is how cold Snake is and that he's not close to anyone and that he doesn't care about anyone and he, all he does is kill and kill and it's he follows his orders. That Snake would never look after a little child. No. Never. There's now, you know, he's part of philanthropy. The whole thing is about fighting to protect the world and save the world. Like, no one's really paying them to do this. I actually don't know where to get their money from. I think. Yeah, who flies their plane? Who do they funds? have a pilot, like? Oh, yeah, there is. There's two pilots, I think, on the ticket shows at one point. But, um... <laughs> Like there is, what do they ever there's, do like? there's supposed to be other members of philanthropy as a whole, but I don't know who funds it or where to get their money from. But it's just it is. Uh, there's a sitcom out there someday. <laughs> there's a sitcom out there someday of Snake and Otacon looking after Sunny. <laughs> it's so good. There is like uh, in-game photographs or something, isn't there? Of like, I think in the kitchen or something. If you if you control the Mark II during cutscenes, you can see like behind the scenes kind of. Oh, photographs of, of right. what's going on yeah Brilliant. i think so i don't remember that but uh okay so we won't be able to talk about every single 
good character that comes back in this yeah. game, right? There's a huge cast. But uh, which returning character were you most happy to see back? Or do you like that what the, what they did with their character and their role? Uh, probably Vamp. I mean, I said like, good characters, but I, I get you. Yeah, vamp oh, sorry, good characters. Sorry, just I you meant just a character that's, that's yeah, portrayed no, good. <laughs> I, no, it's, yeah, it's nice to see Vamp back. I'll agree with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, not really. Campbell, maybe. Yeah, just happy to see him after three. Not seen him for a while. Yeah. He looks a bit weird, though, didn't he? He's very old. Yeah, he's old, man. Oh, yeah, I know, but man, there's just something about him that just... Be a bit like, sensitive, like, the guy If it wasn't aged. for the voice, I wouldn't recognize that as Campbell. Yeah, well, I suppose we always saw him, like, in the first game, he's just a drawing, right, with a mouth moving. And in mm -hmm. the second game, it's a digital augmentation of him. It's, he possibly doesn't even look that fresh or that young, like, you know? Um, yeah, but there's certain characters, like, even with Snake, you know, going from MGS1 to MGS2, like, Solid Snake looks like... Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it translates well, but there's something about Campbell. It's like his face is squished or something. He's like a... He kind of looks like Toad Hall kind of dude, isn't he? He's like... You're weird looking. <laughs> <laughs> You're fucking weird, man. <laughs> what about you, Eric? Uh, which character uh, were you? Merle or Naomi? Because they were so crucial to Metal Gear Solid 1. So it was great to see them play a role within Metal Gear Solid 4. Yeah. The real star was Johnny, though. Come on. Oh, like, yeah, Johnny, Johnny was class, like. but Johnny, Johnny was class. Actually, <laughs> wasn't he also very crucial? Like, because he never got... he. Because he was afraid he, of yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nano machines. He ended up being uh, pretty much the best soldier in the end because he could not be controlled or affected by the system. I absolutely love that. Like you know, like they took a joke and turned it into an actual story point. Yeah, like yeah. they even they even explained why all like he used to shit himself. You know, in <laughs> they explained game. everything in this. <laughs> it's oh, so good. Man. I love that. Um. <laughs> I was definitely also excited for Meryl and Naomi. I think when the game was leading up to it, I was more excited for Meryl. I was uh, really excited about seeing her come back into the story. But when I actually saw the game and played through it, Naomi was the one that I was happiest to see back. Uh, mm. I think the way she was utilized was really good. Um, it was nice to see her in person. Like, you know, we only ever saw her on the codex. So it was nice to actually yeah. see her in person, yeah. see her interact with Otacon. Um and to see how involved in the mythology she is as well. You know, like that she's responsible for Vamp too. And that she studied under Dr. Clark. And we find out Dr. Clark was. And, you know, just that's oh, just fucking crazy. It's so I, crazy. I think that's probably one of the finest moments in the game. Is Absolutely. when you start hearing, like, who <laughs> everyone, everyone ended up being. Like, so Sigint from Snake Eater becomes the Darpa chief. In wow, 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 wow. Paramedic from Snake Eater becomes Dr. Clark, who makes the ninja in MGS1. As yeah. Major Zero is the guy who ends up, like, well, I suppose all of them create the Patriots, but he takes the Patriots to this kind of tyrannical level. Yeah. It's like. He becomes obsessed what? with information and control, right? And it's based yeah. on. That, that's the thing. The whole thing is based on his interpretation and Big Boss's interpretation of the boss's dying words. Yeah, like both of them of went a world, for... Of a world made whole, Zero thinks, well, that can only be done through total control and everyone following the same ideas and ideology and censorship. And then Big Boss's idea is, well, no, it's actually for a world to be whole, there needs to be no borders, no rules, no control. Uh, people need to be able to be in control of their own destiny. You know, and it's 
Yeah, I think like Big Boss, Probably like because neither of them. I think when I first played it, I was like, "All oh, right, so Big Boss was actually a good guy," but it's not really that. It's, it's not as clear as that. No, no, I don't think he is taking the bosses to anarchy. Yeah, and yeah. Zero is wanting to do a true censorship. Yeah, and it's 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 probably an age old debate in terms of politics. Well, it's Hobbs and Locke, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's that and human then nature it, debate. And then it's Sonny who kind of goes, well, actually, we can have both. Yeah, why don't you just do the best bits of both? Like, yeah, like <laughs> why can't we keep the good shit and get rid of the bad shit? Like, oh, 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 wow, what an idea. Wow. Kid, you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Children, they're nuts. <laughs> yeah, it's a fascinating story when you, when it comes down to that. That's what it's really, that's what the MGS saga as a whole is really about. Two people trying to uh fulfill the wishes of someone that they looked up to as a hero and as a result tearing the world apart yeah two guys you know? who didn't stop to go how about we combine our ideas no it took a 13 year old kid about... yeah but they were, <laughs> i suppose they were so adamant that the other one was wrong you know they were so convinced that what they were doing is the right way and it's that whole thing of like and the, the mad, greatest though, like the greatest villain thing. is the villain who thinks they're right yeah, and it was one thing I was wondered was like, like I saw these as friends, you know, like in Snake yeah, Eater, yeah. they were friends, and I just didn't understand like how could they separate so much. But I mean, growing up, you start to see it even in in your own personal lives, you can see how politics can actually separate people. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, you guys. it can actually tear families apart. Yeah. yeah. That's why we actually are doing this. That's why we're doing it's this. Not the, because of COVID the, at all. The lockdown is is actually over, and we <laughs> we refuse to see each other. We fucking <laughs> these fucking bastards. You know what they believe? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I suppose then we're like we've gotten into we're talking now the moments of like the big twists, the big reveals. What's everyone's favorite twist or reveal? Or like this is this is the, this is the mother of them, right? Because in the other games you go, yeah, my favorite twist is you know the big twist, you know that's the best one. In this one, every fucking cutscene has a big twist and a big reveal. Yeah. It affects the rest of the series. It's a tough one, but is there one that you always knew like blew your mind or stuck out to you the most? Or I think it's the one in Europe for me when uh, when Big Mama. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> <laughs> she, 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 well, it goes on for like three hours I know she goes on for three hours but that entire three hours is a great twist <laughs> yeah. and it's the one where she's pretty much tying up everything like I think that's the meatiest part of the, the story it's the architect scene right yeah, yeah. and it, it doesn't actually tell you everything because some of the things are incorrect but I think you get the most of it there mm. um, well because think... you're referring to Dr. Clark in the first game is male but then she says it's paramedic, paramedic from tree was female. Yeah, that's a little oversight, I think. I don't. I think that's. I mean, just she could. Oversight. She could have discussed sex change. Well, that's possible too. Yeah, yeah. that's possible too. Yeah, I suppose it or really... else the credentials could have been incorrect. It could have been just a cover up and all that kind of stuff. I don't think it. it it's not really a, a much of a, you know. Which flaw are you talking about then? You're t- um, you said... I, I'm not, it's not flaw. I think it's just that um, she has I some of her information wrong. Like, yeah, like Eva, like would think that Ocelot is is actually liquid, like things like that. That it's revealed later that that's not the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things like that. Um, that you know, for the whole time it was the Patriots <laughs> were controlling you anyway. That rap patrol team were sent in by the Patriots. Things like yeah, that. Yeah. You know, they don't really. 
tell you all that in the Europe scene, but they do give you the, I think most of the backstory, you know, in in Europe. As the only redeemable part, I think of Act Three. Yeah, because yeah. following that guy for so long is fucking is is boring, really boring, and really uninspired. I think. Yeah. Uh, they definitely could have approached that much much better. Um, Eric, did you have a favorite? I mean, it's gotta be the, it's gotta be the same one, like just the. But is there a specific entire... one within that that's like that was the one that absolutely blew my mind? Wow. wow. Why can't you just be satisfied with the answer I gave? <laughs> I mean, you can leave it at that if you want, but I'm just um, curious. I'm trying absolutely. to think because she does just kind of go on and gone and on and on. <laughs> you look like you hate it. Can you remember even... Okay, so we have Sigint being the DARPA chief. That's a amazing one. Superb one. Um, paramedic being Dr. Clark. Yeah. Uh, Mama I mean, I being forgot the... It. Well, yeah, Ooh, even was... pointing out that Eva that is was... mother of solid liquid, which like you're kind of like, I remember in Snake Eater, you're, you're kind of like, <laughs> could she be? And you're like, nah, because they were clones, right? They're made in tube or something. And then it's like, oh, she is. <laughs> the, 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 I really, I'm not saying this is my favorite one, but it is a really good one. The Asian mother. Oh, that's great. That's, that's great. great. That oh, one's that good. Amazing. That one absolutely. Whoa. Absolutely blows my mind. So what is it? It's Vulcan Raven in the first game. I don't know. It's just a cool line. It's a cool proverby it's line because so, he's a salmon. Like, it gets out of yeah. his hand. It goes, "Blood from the east flows in your veins." Right? He's yeah, like, yeah. "Wow, cool line, cool line, bro." Because <laughs> Shiva decides, right? Not a, like he goes back and he's like, "I'm gonna explain Johnny's shits. I'm gonna explain who the mother was. I'm gonna explain who the Patriots were. I'm gonna explain why I used a different cast of just three. I'm gonna explain what Ocelot was. I'm gonna explain everything. I'm also gonna explain why Vulcan Raven said that line." <laughs> Yeah. Is it a Japanese woman's egg was put in Eva? So she, her womb was used to carry that egg and then DNA from Big Boss. Is that right? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. That white blood from the east flows in his veins? Yeah. Yeah, that Japanese absolutely blew my... I was like... It is, yeah, it is amazing because initially it was just blood from the east flows in you. It was just a nod to it being a Japanese game. Yeah. Is the reason that was yeah. said. Him, him saying weird proverby things because he's a shaman. Yeah, but the fact that they actually, you know, cleared right. that up, that's. Uh, that like was this... the moment where I went, um, I am fully, like, and I know it's not true, but that oh, I remember when that happened. That was the moment when I am fully convinced he planned this from the beginning. Everything. <laughs> and everything laid out. Yeah, absolutely. It was like when J.K. Rowling sat on the train and she, uh, in that train journey, came up with the entire Harry Potter saga. Yeah, absolutely. Kojima. <laughs> He knew exactly what he was doing every step of the way. Convinced. Absolutely convinced. Yeah, I think there's a lot, like... And I think that entire cutscene, you're just there, like... I think I could have gotten through about five different tubs of popcorn just, like, soaking in all that information. It was just amazing, like... (laughs) Yeah, it's like... It is the truth, though. It's like... And that's why this game, I think, relies on the other games. Gameplay alone, this game's not great. No. It's really not like there is good stuff in it, but it just doesn't give you enough um, time to use it and enough scenarios to use it. Yeah. But the story, the payoff to the series you've just played, fucking wow! I think yeah. I told you it's this not. A, yeah, it's not a unique story. Like I mean, it's not like no. I wouldn't say it's not the best in the series. MGS4. Standalone or a game or no. story? 
both. Like, right, I don't yeah. think it's the best in the, because it's reliant too heavily on what came before it. Mm. You know, it's it, it's so it's really just the the best wrap up I've ever seen to anything. Yeah, no, I've I would, never yeah. I've never seen a TV series that ends better than this. I've never no. seen a movie series that ends better than it. No, not one, not a single one. Yeah, I give MJS four oh, the best wrap up I've ever seen. Go on then. What are you gonna say? Return of the King. That was pretty fucking class, like. No, we're not saying it's not. It's ama- Return of the King is still one of the best endings to a movie trilogy out there. But so we're not saying Return of the King isn't as good as MGS4. We're saying MGS4 is the best wrap up of any series ever. Purely wrap up. Like, Return of the King is a standalone movie. You can't right? really compare those two because you've no. got one that's already written and prepared versus someone who's trying to wrap up everything loose ends retroactively that he had yeah that that's already done and dusted and they're trying to make this up as they go and and, and look like as if it was a coherent story yeah i mean i've never seen that in any anything else <laughs> no well it, it, it is it is basically what george lucas was doing but way better like execute way better now i know with george lucas what it was was to go back and make sure i get to this point whereas yeah. this time around it's i need to make sure that these three very disjointed games now I'll wrap up into one wonderful bubble where it's like I was always heading to this point, even though I wasn't, because every game I made was the fucking <laughs> last one. <laughs> but this one is definitely the last one. And they never made any others afterwards. <laughs> um. So yeah, fuck. Wow. Fucking wow. It blew. It blew my mind. I I told you this before. Um. But it was off podcast. We, um, myself and Danny, who was on the last episode, we um, were introducing this series to Lee, another friend of ours, because we were like, like Lee liked a lot of games, and we we're like, he would love Metal Gear Solid. Like it's right up his alley. Like this badass action hero, this huge plot of nations and war and stealth, and like it's right up his alley. So we did, uh, we would do a sleepover. Um, uh, we had like a week break between each one. And we would play, we'd start early in the day, right through the night, play an entire game in one go. And then afterwards, sort of discuss the best bits of it and everything, and like we're doing now. And um, Playmaker saw one, he wasn't really digging it. He was like, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was like, what? This is the fucking greatest thing ever. Uh, he wasn't really digging it. There was too many, the cutscenes are too long, there's too many cutscenes. I suppose you haven't grown up with that, you're used to playing a lot of the story. Like, even, like, if you play the Naughty Dog games, like, Uncharted, the story is given to you as you're walking sometimes or as you're moving or climbing and stuff. So, you're, when you get used to that and you go back and you realize you're going to have to put the controller down a lot, I get that could be quite jarring. We did MGS2 next. He really didn't like that. He was not having that at all, right? Okay. <laughs> First of all, he doesn't like writing. Like, a lot of people didn't. Fair enough. But now he's getting all these cutscenes and listening to writing. So he was like, oh, fuck this. Snake Eater then, he was really starting to warm up to it. He really liked Snake Eater because of the the Cold War setting. And he was like, oh, the James Bond theme song. And, you know, like he was starting to see things that he was starting to really like about it. But MGS4 was when it all clicked for him. Because at this point, now he's used to the long cutscenes. And he's like, oh, I get it. We're going to watch a lot of lot cutscenes and it's a lot about plot, a lot of story. And because we were doing it week by week, it wasn't like years wait. It was like everything was kind of like really linear, like a show. And there was a certain scene 
That's my favorite scene in the game. Do you know you're climbing through the radiator? Yeah. The hall, and the music gets real sad. And they go split screen. And you're like, I've never seen anything like this before. I am controlling my character and a cutscene is playing. Kushima, <laughs> fucking hell. And uh, yeah, you keep tapping too. the button and you're getting zapped and you're trying to keep going. And, and you're seeing Meryl and Johnny are nearly going to die. They're back to back and the music is building up. And Mei Ling, Mei Ling is back and she's in the ship and the fucking ray's coming <laughs> up with her. And you're like, come on, Lee, you got to do it. You got it. And he was tapping. He was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. We're like, come on, Lee. And that was like the moment where like, it's like the whole series had culminated into uh, wow, this has been a journey, you know? Yeah. Um, that is an amazing moment, though. It's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. And it is definitely my favorite part of that game, that moment, because they've yeah. built up to it so well. And Snake is dying. And it's like his final. But thing. it's also like. You know, every single one of them has had a torture scene. Except for, and this always bothered me, yeah. uh, like, I know what you mean by that, a torture scene where you actually have to tap the button and resist, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three, he doesn't. And it had the perfect opportunity to do so, because there's a scene where he is tortured. But yeah, you, he's tortured. Right? You have no... I always thought that was weird, because I always enjoyed those bits. You know what I mean? <laughs> that is weird. That is weird, wanting that you, yeah, that you enjoy weird. them. That's weird either way. <laughs> no, but it is, it's yeah. like, it's version of, it's like, in every game, your character is put through torture. Yeah. This yeah. is the first time your character purposely goes through torture in order to complete their goal. And knows he has to go through it. Yeah. If, you know, like, when he gets to the end of that, and he gets through the door... And he needs Otacon to, like, plug in Fox Alive, the new virus to take down the Patriots. And yeah. then all the scarabs come out of nowhere, and they're all going to shock Snake to death. If Snake died, and then they destroyed the Mark II or Mark Three. does Ocelot's plan just fail? Does he go, ah, oh, crap, yes, maybe I yeah. put in too many defenses there. Maybe the radiator was a bit too long. What a twat I am. Like, what? like so Ocelot's plan would have failed if... Oh, oh, right, yeah. Well, or does or was Mel Gear Ray's <laughs> railgun like the backup plan? No, Ocelot is just such a good double agent, right? That <laughs> fuck off. His yeah. plan was His... totally on chance. He was hoping. There's definitely an element of chance. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's definitely. It was 100%. definitely a, a gamble, but he knew. That the only way to get Snake to complete his mission was through resistance. Oh, yeah, no, I get that. Yeah. But he could have just not put the scarabs there. You know what I mean? Well, I don't or know if he has much the... control over them. I think they just automate and do their thing. No, 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 but just not put them in the fucking room. <laughs> just not have them anywhere near the room or make the radiator <laughs> room a lot smaller. You know what I mean? His plan was a I bit love, like... I love how the server room uh, mimics the imagery of a graveyard. Yeah, yeah really good. That is cool. So that cool. is cool. And then when they play the final thing and Naomi pops up on every screen and everything and it's like a final farewell because she's dead at this point. And... Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And hell. Wow, 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 wow. It was the nano machines that was keeping her alive, wasn't it? She yes. had the same machines that Vamp had. Yeah. Wow. How many times did it take <laughs> you to figure out how to defeat Vamp? I had to ask Adam because I was pretty much in fucking tears due to rage of punching my leg because this guy <laughs> would not die. I'm pretty sure I had to turn it off because I was that angry. 
I figured out. Told, I was definitely told what to do. I definitely did I, not. I figure figured it out. out almost immediately. Really? Yeah. That's another one of those. It's a classic Metal Gear Solid fight where it's like it the is, first yeah. time. The first time it takes a bit of thinking, but once you know what to do, the fight is not very good. Uh, yeah, no, I I figured out almost immediately just because it's like I've I've done this before. You know what I mean? That kind of that thinking outside the box kind of thing. Um, yes. What do I have it, that might do something here? <laughs> yeah, like it, it just felt like as I I fought Vamp before, I know you can't take him down, so I I knew it was going to have to be something that I have that will take him down, and it's it's essentially the revival pill version of this, you know. Essentially, was, was, essentially, that's what it is. I think the one that took me a while was actually uh, Screaming Mantis. I think that one. That's right. I wasn't as one. quick to figure that one. So I I was because it involved shooting. No, but you have to no, then get the you have to get the doll to finish it off. Yeah, you have to control her with the doll. Oh yeah, put away to beat her. Did am I right then, or is it just a weird moment? Um, like it's an awesome moment. I love it. But so Psycho Mantis spirit had control of Scream Mantis. Yeah, nano machines. So what? Psycho mm-hmm. Mantis's nano machines were put into Scream Mantis. I don't know, but and that seems to be the answer to everything in that game. Was she mind-controlling the rest of the team then? No, I think it's the Sorrow was able to bring back Psycho Mantis' ghost, who was then able to control Scream of Mantis, who was then also controlling the rest of the BNB. But was the Sorrow not working against Psycho Mantis and helping you? Was he? Was the Sorrow in that game? Because I pulled that one right out of my arse. I think there is a moment that if you push a button, the Sorrow is basically does something to like help. Does it, uh, again holds up like a timer or something like that to kind of say get a move on. I think the Sorrow is on your side. Like the Sorrow is not a bad guy. But he's a bad guy. No, he's not. <laughs> he's not a bad guy. None uh, of them are bad. I, I, th- I think just it is. Ju- I think mis- it is. Is just... Mantis controlling, or, or is that just yes. sort of a hallucination moment? No, no, I, no, I think he is. Uh, he's control. definitely controlling the B and B core. Um, I don't know. I don't know whether it's true, like the nano machine thingy. It probably is. Everything seems to be nano machines. Yeah. Or if this was them, uh, saying that actually he did all this time have psychic powers. I always thought he did. I didn't think that was them, the nano machines. I always thought it was nano machines. Interesting, Eric. What did you think? Psychomat is really psychic. That's the name of this episode. No, my job. It's the fucking uh, thumbnail on YouTube. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that'll that'll get them. I mean, they, get them. They, everyone's they, been wondering they that, right? They, they don't state otherwise. But considering Fortune was able to make bullets go past her without any help, just her own will of strength. Uh, I would assume that Psychomantis is telepathic. Yeah, like for me, because I think the series is definitely, it's not that all the supernatural stuff is explained away by nanomachines, because in the 60s there weren't nanomachines. And the Cobra unit. Oh, yeah. So for me, no, I think Psychomantis is definitely psychic. Because wasn't it, he used to be like some sort of profiler, and then he read the mind of a psychopath and it fucked up his own mind or something like that. He used yeah, to do psychopath went, FBI. went into his mind. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I think, he, yeah, he's definitely, and then I think that is genuinely his spirit there at the end. Like, and yeah. then a nice little nod back to the whole vibrating the controller and all that. And if yeah, you don't have, nice, if you nice don't have a dual shock, it nice. doesn't vibrate. It's a nice little, like, and it, his him plays again. His him plays for that fight as well, doesn't it? For Scream, like a version of it. 
plays I in the background, so. I think. I don't know. That's for which is really Another, nice. A nice, a nice thing in that game is that, because before that fight, the frogs jump down. So if oh, you yeah, kill yeah. them, they, they burn and turn into ash. And usually when you run over their bodies, that the ash just disappears. But for this, just before this fight, that doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. So then Psychomantis uses the sorrow doll to raise the ash bodies to fight you. But if yeah. you trank, if you trank them, then it's he uses Psychomantis' doll to bring back the live ones. Yeah. Wow. Which is, yeah. So uh, that that was Pretty a nice attention to detail. Yeah. I suppose we're getting to that kind of time, but there's something else I feel like we should talk about. Like we did. When we were going non-spoilers, we did sort of allude to it. We said, like, well, I did. I said that I wish that it was in the Middle East up until chapter four. And then in chapter four, you go to exactly where you go to in chapter four. Shadow Moses, lads. That's ah, my yeah. favorite part of the game. Yeah, come on. How did you feel about going back to Shadow Moses? I fucking love it. The music, the song plays again. You get out to the helipad. The song plays. Yeah, it's, it's, great. Such, it's such a good time. And, and like, the blizzard. The and so, like, you only imagine that this is... I think we all kind of saw that and wanted, like, a remake of one after mm. seeing those graphics. Yeah. My only flaw with it is that they have too many machines. They should have had... Yeah, there's no enemies humans. in it, really. There's, they should have had humans dressed, not the same, but similarly to yeah, the... I agree. The soldiers from MGS1. Yeah, but that I was... absolutely agree. And there's ghosts in that chapter as Easter eggs. If yeah. you hold the sorrow doll and take out your camera at certain points, there's pictures of the characters you killed in the first game or died in the first game, plus also makers of the game. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Which is a callback to the first game. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I, I love the whole Shadow Moses sequence. Even hearing that you were going to go back there, even when they get up and say Shadow Moses, and you're like, no. No, stop! And then when you get there and the music plays, and it again, makes you play, you it know, does. it reminds you. It makes you play the helipad sequence in PS1 style graphics first, just yeah. to kind of remind you, and then it shows you what it looks like in, you know, yeah. these newer PS3 graphics. Um, yeah, th- like that's another reason why this game is like one of the best wrap ups I've ever seen. Because it's like, look at how far we've come. And then at every moment, there's little flashbacks of even voices. And, you know, like you walk past the surveillance camera, it's like a surveillance camera, but it's all echoey now. And you're like, wow, 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 wow. Or <laughs> I have done the, all this before. The hallway of blood. Yeah. And you get the flashback. And, you, and you, hear, um, you hear Gray Fox's crazy voice again and everything as you're going through. And you hear the slashes of people dying. And and then, yeah, I love that scene in the locker room where, they talk, where him and Otacon talk about, like, this is where we first met. So mm. this is where our journey began, like you know, it's like, and it's bad how like how quickly you run through it all. You know, yeah. you cover the full length of Shadow Moses. Yeah, you do. Yeah. In yeah, you know, I suppose there's just nothing holding you back, really. But yeah. Yeah, and parts of it obviously are destroyed, you know, and um, yeah, like because you you're don't... not having, you don't have to go through the two kind of towers. You're kind of along the bottom. The, the the hallway that Sniper Wolf was shooting you is completely collapsed in. Yeah, yeah. You know, things like that. It's, it's, it's really cool. Is there, I suppose, is there anything else we need to mention about Metal Gear Solid 4 before we finish this discussion? Is there anything that someone's like, ah, oh, I fucking... I need to bring that up, actually, in particular. Ah, oh, yeah, Mount Rushmore. Their own version of Mount Rushmore. Oh, yeah, that was, yeah, that was <laughs> cool. There's a lot of Easter eggs in the game. 
There's yeah. loads. There's, There's loads. A shit ton. Like it's a, it's actually looking back over it, it was is mad to see how much is in the game. But it feels like you know, when you're playing it, it doesn't feel like there's you're doing a lot, like that there's nothing to do. Yeah, but if you actually take your time and like some of the areas like the Middle East and South America, there's a lot to do in those areas. There is, yeah. If you mess around essentially, but and there's lots of collectibles. And I thought as well, I thought Drebin was a great addition. I really like him. You liked him? I, yeah, I don't like that he gives you the B and B core storyline or anything like that. But I like his design, and I like that uh, because, as far as you're concerned, Ocelot is liquid at this point, and so everything he does is liquid, and you just have to kind of buy into that for the plot to work. Yeah. Drebin then plays the role of the sort of unpredictable double agent, who is he really working for kind of thing. Um, but it was really interesting to me that he works for the Patriots and ends up helping you take the Patriots down, even though he's following the Patriots' orders. <laughs> like, like, um, and by the end, he's happy to be free. He's like, I was sort of like a slave. You know, I was a child slave. Yeah. And it goes yeah. back to the whole child slavery thing of like riding and the Patriots pick up children and then grow them into their own spies and soldiers. So I, mm-hmm. I thought it was a cool addition. Um, But yeah, that sums up our thoughts on Metal well, Gear Solid. I suppose there's the... Uh, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't. No. Nope. <laughs> well, well, you know, even yeah, though you, we, we are all, it is over, but just as an after credits kind of discussion there's the after credit <laughs> scene oh oh yeah there is and it, it goes on for fucking ever <laughs> yeah so another another twisty twisty twist is yeah that big boss is, is alive yeah now now is that big boss or is that the other big boss no that's, that's actually big, big boss. boss that's actual big boss that's who's actual the other big, big boss, boss. The other oh, big the boss is... solidus no oh the one that they burned the corpse yeah that's solidus yeah, yeah. oh yeah because that was the he's a perfect clone yeah yeah Oh, yeah, big boss. And actually, the thing is, though, if you look at the corpse, you will notice that the eye is the wrong eye. Yeah. But that's the little detail. So it's like, and if you don't look at that, but it is there. And that's one of those things, like, on second playthrough, now that you know it's Solidus, yeah, you'll see it. It's really good. But the thing about that is, like, that chapter is called Third Sun. So, and, like, you know, Solid Sun, Liquid Sun, or, sorry, Liquid Sun, Solid Sun, Third Sun. We should have known it would be about Solidus, but yet he's not mentioned once. And it's only yeah. at the end you realize that that chapter was actually about the corpse of Solidus. So yeah. it's just, it's really cool the way they wrap the whole thing up. What's the fourth uh, one called again? Uh, Twin Sons. Oh, oh. yeah. <laughs> oh, my and, God. Yeah. And then the last one is uh, Old Sun, is old it? Son. The finale, yeah. The final yeah. piece. But yes, now that sums up our thoughts on Metal Gear Solid 4 Guns of the Patriots there is a lot more to, to talk about it uh, and maybe it will come up in other topics in the future but for now that actually as well sums up our thoughts on the Metal Gear Solid series we have now spoken about all of the Metal Gear Solid games in the saga in existence and uh, <laughs> I know we're being a bit mean um, but in case you're wondering yeah because there was Metal Gear and Metal Gear 2 like you know you don't want to forget about them no, we don't forget about them. we got to acknowledge them. Um, but we would love to know your thoughts on Metal Gear Solid 4 and the Metal Gear Solid series as a whole. Which twist, which reveal you like the most, which moments you like the most, which characters you like the most. Um, how you felt about the bosses and all that other stuff. Um, and until next time, we'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.